approach life as a lifelong learning journey. If you never stop learning, if you are always looking to understand why, the why of things, the real reason behind, that is the most helpful. There is a difference between intelligence and wisdom, and that difference is the power of the why. If you're curious enough to become intelligent, you will acquire knowledge that is helpful in a specific discipline. But if you're curious, really curious enough to ask why, you will have the wisdom to really understand what's behind. That is something that has no expiration date. Great companies are all about the people. Good people become great leaders, mentors for work and life. Welcome to Learnings from Leaders, the P&G alumni podcast. I'm Raman Segel, recovering marketer. And I'm Ida Abdalkani, a chief catalyzer. Raman and I both got our start at P&G, the Procter & Gamble company, where we had the opportunity to work with some amazing people. And as you may know, many leaders across industries got their start at P&G. In this series, through conversations with fellow PNG alums, we hope to go deeper with the leaders you already know but want to know more about. It's kind of like bringing a microphone to a cup of coffee. On today's show, we're talking to PNG alumni leader Anna Maria Aynau, Vice President of Marketing Global Marketing Excellence at PepsiCo. It was a great conversation about wisdom versus intelligence being curious, compassionate, and courageous, and choosing to be a protagonist. Here's a quick bio. Anna Maria Aynau is the Global Marketing Vice President of PepsiCo, leading the marketing excellence and partnership strategies across both food and beverages for PepsiCo globally, reporting to the global CMO. Anna Maria has over 22 years of marketing experience, having started her career at P&G in Bogota, Colombia, as an assistant brand manager in detergents. She has worked in a variety of roles across developed and emerging markets in the U.S. and abroad, leading the development of mainstream and luxury brands, and turning around businesses and leading acquisitions, while also transforming commercial functions to embrace the challenges of the digital era. Often cited as a most influential and top female in marketing across Latin America and the U.S., she uses her experiences, including both challenges and successes, to help her understand the why versus simply the how behind things, and to develop her own gut instinct and wisdom. She lives by her three C's of curiosity, compassion, and courage, and challenges us to have a sense of purpose and be good citizens of the world. Originally from Colombia, she currently lives in Miami with her husband and two children. When she is not solving some of the toughest challenges in marketing, you can find her watching soccer or enjoying the outdoor sports activities she loves and traveling. What I love about our conversation is Anna Maria's thoughtful reflection on leadership and simply being a better person that has a sense of purpose. You may relate to her experiences as a curious child, always asking why and looking for opportunities to do more. Her thoughts on being empowered and taking charge versus expecting someone to help you and living by the three C's of curiosity, compassion, and courage can help us all be protagonist leaders. I don't know if that's an official term, but if not, we just coined it. So let's dive right in. We hope you'll enjoy our conversation with Anna Maria. Anna Maria, welcome to the podcast. It's really great to have you here. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to share this time with you. Well, many already know your professional story, Anna. But first, who were you before the beginning of your career journey? Oh, what a wonderful question. 
if I think about that child and that teenage years, I would say that first and foremost, I was a very, very curious person. I've always been, and to this day, uh, I'm still are. I was very curious. I was always asking questions. I was that kid that would always ask why, why this and why that. And later on, I also turned that curiosity into looking at opportunities for me to do more. So when I was at school, I loved to participate in additional activities like student council. I was always looking to organize adventures. I was always looking to find opportunities to do social work. So I would say primarily a very curious and active person. And those traits of personality, I think I have carried out to this day. Anna Maria, I love the idea of curiosity. I, uh, it resonates with me because I also identify as a very curious individual. My teacher actually used to make fun of me when I was in fourth grade. He said that I wore out the carpet. Um, on the way to his desk because I would go up and ask so many questions. <laughs> but I was, you know, very inquisitive. And I love what you said about always asking why. As you look back at that childhood experience that you had, right, and this innate quality that you had to be curious and always ask why, how has that influenced some of your career decisions that you've made along the way? Greatly. I, I like to think that as a leader, uh, what has been helpful for me through my career and even through my, for my personal life, it has been what I call the three C's. When you think about the fact that we live in a world that is changing and the pace of change has accelerated dramatically in the last 25 years that I have been uh, working as, as a marketeer. When I look back, I, I found that there are three elements that have always helped me be an effective and an efficient leader. Curiosity being the first one. And what I think is that I approach life as a lifelong learning journey. And I think that if you never stop learning, if you are always looking to understand why, the why of things, the, the real reason behind why people behaving the way that they behave, why businesses are performing the way that they are performing and why society is in a place or moving towards a different place. That is the most helpful. And I like to, to say that there is a difference between intelligence and wisdom. And that difference is the power of the why. I think if you're curious enough to become intelligent, you will acquire knowledge that is helpful in a specific discipline. But if you're curious, really curious enough to ask why, you will have the wisdom to really understand what's behind. That is something that has no expiration date. I think intelligence has an expiration date because if I'm a person that knows a lot about a certain technology, for example, today, five years from today, it might be different. It might be something else that technology might even doesn't exist anymore. But if I have wisdom and I understand what is really behind, what is the human truth behind the use or the behaviors or the trends that are coming in, then that's when curiosity is very powerful is when you really get to the true, true why of things. Wow. I have to say that what you were just talking about in terms of difference between intelligence and wisdom, the difference being the why really resonated with me. 
again, as a curious person myself, um, I am always asking why. I'm always trying to learn from my experiences so that I don't repeat negative patterns and so that I can proactively create positive patterns. You know, but I've never thought about that in terms of the difference between intelligence and wisdom, that the why is really the underlying factor in what you said about no expiration date to that, right? That if you fundamentally understand the why, that doesn't have an expiration like intelligence can. When you think about that, again, the difference between intelligence and wisdom, how has that helped you as a leader? Because you have been a leader in some of the biggest companies in the world. And I imagine that this intelligence versus wisdom piece, right, understanding that fundamental why probably comes into play quite a bit. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Definitely. So if we think about, for example, marketing um, and how marketing has evolved over time. When I, when I first started at P&D in 1999, what we used to do was very different, right? And it was, in a way, I would say easier. So you, you devote six months of your life to create an advertising campaign. It will result in the production of a TV commercial of 30 seconds, and then it will do a version of 15 seconds, and in some cases, interstitials of five seconds. And pretty much that was it. And that would take the brand through a period of six months to a year of, of content that, that people will consume. So it was relatively simple. If you think fast forward 25 years later, here we are, and the context has changed dramatically. We not only have to create uh, advertising platforms or, or rank platforms, but we have to create a lot of content that is constantly changing because people is getting bored and they want content that is new, that is fresh, that is a personal, that is customized to their needs. So there is a lot of content that you have to produce. So simplistically, I would say when I started my career, I could create two, three pieces of content and be done for six months or a year. And today I create hundreds of pieces of content and I will be done for maybe three or four weeks. So when you think about the pace of change and how much we have to adapt in the last 25 years, where it has been helpful is to really say, well, the how is changing, the how is evolving, but the why is the same. 25 years ago, having a universal human truth, having an insight that is powerful, that people can really relate to and say, yes, this is me, this is how I feel, and this is how the brand plays a role in my life, it's the same today. So that's when I say, if you really understand the why, if you have that wisdom to go deep down into the real drivers of behavior, into the real drivers of engagement, into the real drivers of differentiation, then you can evolve and you can adapt over time to new hows, to new ways of doing. But if my intelligence or my value is just rooted on the how, let's say on only, I, I know how to do TV, but I never wrote my thinking, I will then become obsolete today because that's not what we're doing. And I think that's the perfect difference between intelligence and wisdom. It's your knowledge just rooted on the how. I'm an, an expert on TV, but I cannot evolve. 
Or is my knowledge really rooted in the why, in the consumer insight, in the universal human truth? So that then I can evolve because I really understand the deep meaning of connecting with consumers and making brand relevance for them. That's a that's a great example. You know, thank you for sharing that. It helped me understand a little bit more how you've been able uh, to differentiate that. And I think you brought up a really important point: the pace of change as it relates to marketing. I think, in particular, as you were saying you know, going from a few pieces of content in the early 2000s, right? And that could last few years. And now we're looking at hundreds of pieces of content. I know that you are a continual learner, as you mentioned, you know, the three C's and curiosity being one of them, the lifelong learning. How have you continued to learn as you've gone along your career path and make sure that you are up to date on the latest and greatest? Yeah, I would say, with the addition of the other two Cs. So curiosity is one of them, as I, as I mentioned. And the other two are equally important. So the second one is actually what I call compassion. It is critical in this environment where we live today, where change is so dramatic and, and, and it's happening so rapidly, that we, we make a distinction between compassion and empathy. The distinction that I have or the definition that I use is we have been taught to use empathy, to understand someone else's point of view and to understand the reality and the situation. And that's empathy. And that that's great. The fact that I take the time to understand the other person or to understand their point of view is amazing. What is difficult, though, is to transition from empathy to compassion. And what I mean by compassion is with the understanding that you have, that understanding is actually driving action. And I think there is, there is magic there because I, I feel empathy for many situations. I feel empathy for the work that is happening. I feel empathy for the fact that we have a climate change uh, crisis. But am I doing something? And that's what compassion means to me is... Are you understanding, but most importantly, are you using that understanding to drive action in you and to drive action in others? So that's the second component that I think is important after curiosity is compassion. And then the last one is, is courage. The, the challenges that we're facing today are sometimes we, we don't have information. We don't have enough information. Sometimes things are evolving as we have to make decisions. So we not only don't have information, but information is just not available because the things are evolving. If you think about technology, technology is evolving all the time. So I think having the courage to lean in, to take action, knowing that there will be unknowns, but still it's better to move and to do something than to just stay still and wait for all the information to come in. So I think having that courage, breaking the, breaking the barrier of fear, because I, I love the a definition of courage, which is says that courage is not the absence of fear, but it's the conviction that action is more important than fear. And so I would say the combination of those three things Compassion, curiosity, and courage is what has really helped me stay current across time. It's what really helped me 
grow as a person, grow as a professional. And it's something that I try to do in small scale every day and at large scales when I have to face more difficult uh, situations or decisions to make. But I think those three elements, when they work together in tandem, are very powerful and very helpful for you as a leader to keep evolving over time. And Maria, I have to say you are so wise. And I know, you know, we, we initially started talking about the difference between intelligence and wisdom. And I, I'm sure a, a large part of your wisdom is from trying to understand the why, but I'm so intrigued by this. Um, I've actually been taking some notes for myself as things for me to remember because I have my own little note board of inspirational quotes. And I feel like a lot of, a lot of the things you're saying are so inspirational and great for all of us to remember. Oh, that's very sweet. Thank you. (laughs) How did you learn about these three C's? Is this something that you have developed for yourself over time? Things that perhaps maybe you learned from mentors or colleagues? How did you come upon this thinking? I can't tell. I think it's a combination of my personal experiences. I think it's, uh, it's having the the opportunity, the great opportunity to being exposed to great leaders and mentors. Many of them that I met and, and I still stay in contact with that I met at PNG uh, many years ago. I think it, it comes from really being open to, to learn. I think uh, I would tell you, for example, courage. I was having this conversation uh, not that long ago with someone and then I said, uh, for me, the best definition of courage is is my daughter. She is 13. She plays soccer. She's a defender. But it's in her DNA. She's she's short, just like me. I, I, I'm just 5'1", five, five and she's short. So most of the times, as a defender, she's facing strikers from the other teams that are maybe a head or a head and a half above her height. And, and it's, it's difficult, right? You're trying to defend, but your opponent is way, way taller than you. And I remember uh, she was playing in a final for a tournament and, and she really needed to go up against this striker that was way taller than her. And so I called her to the sidelines and I said, Emma, no matter what happens, you need to feel proud. I was trying to justify, right? The, her physical disadvantage, if you want. But then she looked at me and she said, Mom, I know what I have to do and we're going to win this game. And I look at her and I said, she's really teaching me something today. She's teaching me about courage. And once again, because it's not as she didn't have fear, but she has such a strong conviction that she could win that game. The fear, the fact that she was at a disadvantage or an apparent disadvantage from the get-go was not something that she was going to get on her way for winning. So I would say you learn if you're open and they, they won the tournament, by the way. Oh, great. <laughs> it's a good way to end that story. Exactly. <laughs> but the, the, the point is, I think if you're open to learn, you will learn from every single person, from every single interaction, from every single experience that you have in life. You just have to be open and you have to really receive and absorb the learnings and the teachings that are out there 
And I think through time, start developing a point of view that then help you synthesize in a way that is easier to explain. So I would say my, the three C's are the result of many experiences, many great opportunities, and then taking the time for self-reflection to really distill all of that into something that you can, uh, you can substantiate. Absolutely. I love that story about Emma, and I'm so glad that they won the game. (laughs) I love her courage and her conviction, you know, to take that action, like you said, despite maybe being against the odds or not having all the information, but you just, you lean in and you take that action. That's more important than the fear. I'm wondering for yourself, because you brought up this idea of needing to have courage. When you think Back on your career, you've had extraordinary business success, but has there ever been a time that you had to face your own fears in a business sense or a time maybe that you had a challenge where you you had to lean in and you had to get other people on board to lean in to take that step of courage? Yes, definitely. I mean, of course, what, what gets featured is the, is the successes or the achievements that you have through your career. But I would say there's no career that have been built only on successes. So I had a couple of examples. I would say probably one of the most challenging times I had in my career was when I was actually the head of marketing for an acquisition. And it turns out that that acquisition was not, when we, the due diligence that we did was not sufficient. And then we start running the business. We realized that the situation was more complicated. And actually we, we, the basics that we thought we have were not there. And it was a very difficult time because the company I was working for at the time really leaned in from the very top on this acquisition. But unfortunately, this was never revealed until we started to operate. And we tried for six months, close to a year, to make it work. And then it was really not going to happen. So uh, we reached the point where we had to recommend to the company uh, very early on, on the acquisition, that the best decision was to divest. And it's not easy. It's not easy because you feel like you were given this, this project, you were given is something that was important for the company to make it work and to say, well, actually, it would take a lot to make it work. And if we use this money to do something else, we'll bring value to the company faster. So from a business point of view, it doesn't really make sense. And it's just call it quits uh, and focus on something else. It's never easy because you, you wonder, like, am I making this decision too soon? Is it the right thing to do? Is it politically correct to do it? But at the end of the day, I think that's when you need to be uh, very strong on your beliefs. You need to feel that uh, sometimes recognizing failure takes a lot of courage. But in the long run, even though it can be seen as failure in the short term, it really shows your character and it really shows uh, who you are as a person and who you are and can be as a leader. So I would say when, when failure has come for me, the first thing is to say, to early and very quickly say, we are failing. This is not working. That will be number one. Second is to take ownership and to say, I mean, I tried and I come in here and I'm saying it is, it is my responsibility. So I think taking ownership is, 
is important. And then the last one is to lay out a plan and to say, well, yes, this is not working, but this is the alternative and this is how we can create value moving forward. Uh, so then it becomes more of a learning moment. It becomes more of a, of a moment of reflection and then uh, reconfiguring for, for a better path. And I think if you look at failure like that, you will always come out of it on the positive end of things. That's such a great example. Um, I think a challenge that I think a lot of people would really be crushed by in a lot of ways, as you were saying, to be heading up an acquisition and to have to make the recommendation to divest and getting to that very difficult place, but then taking it as a moment of learning and reconfiguring for a plan, having that perspective to know that you can come out of that with learning. And so in that sense, not a failure, right? That you take something away from that, the wisdom <laughs> perhaps that you take away from that um, into the next thing that you dive into. You know, coming out of that failure and that challenge that you experienced, how were you able to take that learning into the next stage of your career or the next challenge that you faced? Yeah, I think in these type of experiences, uh, first and foremost, as a person, uh, it, it builds a lot of character in you, right? Uh, I think uh, every, as I say, like when you go through boiling water as an egg, you, be, you become stronger. So, so I think these, these type of experiences are, they, they certainly build character. And also you, you will always have that as a reference in your mind. So certainly if it's a situation similar, I will definitely do better due diligences moving forward. But also in situations where you can extrapolate learnings, you will start detecting signs of, are these red flags? Do I have to act? on them or do I still have space to see what's going to happen? So it, it really builds, I, I think your character, it builds your criteria. It builds your, that gut feeling that then down the road, you will start using more and more. So I think it's like a muscle that the more you train it, the stronger it gets. There is that muscle memory that will always be there to help you uh, with new experiences and with new challenges that you face. Yeah, the gut instinct, I think, is so important. It's something that I certainly try to pay attention to and hone over time, right? That instinct that I think sometimes we try to rationalize away for those of us, as I can say from my perspective, that sometimes we're stuck in our head um, <laughs> and a lot in the mind space. And we have to remember to tune into that gut because the gut, is made up of all of our experiences throughout our life that are warning signals in a way, right, and guidance. I'm wondering, related to challenges, Anna Maria, because of being an immigrant, a female, a minority professional, I imagine you've probably experienced some challenges as it relates to diversity, uh, equity, and inclusion. I'm wondering if you could take us through that a little bit. Um, you've had any of those experiences. How have you worked through those? And what have you been able to learn from those types of experiences? I think if you think about my my career, the the context in which I was I was raised, my generation, my my siblings, my cousins, 
particularly my siblings, we we were the first ones to to go through college. My parents didn't, my grandparents didn't have a college degree, but my siblings and I, we had an opportunity to to do that. I was blessed with a mother that never made a distinction between my brothers and I. Uh, she was always a very fair on the treatment that we received, on the opportunities that we were given. So growing up, and I was actually growing up in a school that was primarily men. It was 80% men, 20% women. So I grew up surrounded by men and I learned from the early years in my life how to, how to do that, like how to be successful. So I was a very good student. So I was at the top of my class, even though the majority of my peers were men uh, and I I had two brothers, so I grew up in a household where there were mostly men. But I think all these opportunities, my mom being very uh, fair in the way she, how she treated us, the fact that I was surrounded growing up with a lot of men, I think that helped me develop the sense of it is possible. I can try even if I'm a minority. And I think that mindset took me through many challenges that I faced down the road. I, I have to say, uh, having PNG being my first formal job was great because I think I was raised within a corporate culture where fairness and equal opportunities were always there. And when we think about that 25 years ago, that was not the case. It's, in some instances, not the case today. So I think I, I have been blessed to be groomed in my formative years to be in spaces and in environments where being a woman was not something that was seen as a handicap and where opportunities and conditions for success were given to me. And I was able to take advantage of that. However, when you progress uh, and you start seeing uh, coming to the United States, being from Colombia, then also my age sometimes have been sources of, I would say, challenges, been challenges for me. And I would say in general, first and foremost is you have to believe in yourself, particularly in gender. I know that women, we tend to be very harsh on ourselves. And that's an advantage that men have is if a man is qualified 70% for a job, he will apply for the job. If a woman is 95% qualified for a job, she will not qualify because she's missing the 5%. So we have to, we have to believe that we can. We have to uh, lean in. We have to have the courage to say, I can make this happen and I can learn in the process and I can make it and I can be successful. So that, that's number one. Two is to find, to find those sponsors that will hold your hand through difficult times and to make sure that you foster them and that you make them stay committed to you. It's important that in the early ages, when I was little, my mom was always a sponsor. I think a big, big, big sponsor. But down the road, I found in, in the different companies that I work with, people that was also willing to, to help me, to hold my hand and to really uh, have skin on the game so that I could be successful. Uh, and I think that's very important. And of course, the basics, you have to perform. You have to be your best. You cannot hide behind Oh, because I'm a woman or because I'm Hispanic, I cannot reach the standards or uh, you cannot hold me 
accountable for, for the standards, quite the opposite. Because I'm a woman, I'm going to prove that I can go beyond the expectations, that I can deliver more than what is expected and, and what people think that I can, so I can prove my worst. So having that also commitment to always go the extra mile, to perform at your top all the time, definitely is an enabler of thriving in circumstances where maybe uh, there are some bias that are against you. So I'm interested in that piece that you were just touching upon, that you have to deliver more, improve your worth sometimes as a woman. And I know you're talking about it, I think, from a very positive point of view of letting that empower you. But does that get tiring sometimes, of feeling like you have to prove yourself? I don't think I have to deliver more because I'm a woman. I want to deliver more because I'm an overachiever. Mm, okay. And that's the way how I see it. And that's the difference. I don't think I have to prove my words because I'm a woman or because I'm Latina. I want to prove that I can do more because I am an overachiever. And I'm all the time looking how can I deliver more. For me, that switch has been important because if you take it from the point of view of I have to work harder because I'm female or because I'm a, I have a sexual orientation, I'm gay, or because I am a Hispanic or Asian or Black or whatever that is. If you take it from that through that lens, your starting point is a point of feeling at a disadvantage. And there is resentment in that. In my personal view, I am starting from the point of I'm a human being that wants to overachieve all the time. And I'm striving for that. I'm willing to run the extra mile all the time because that's who I am. I myself defined what I want and what success looks like for me rather than the definition of someone else, right? because you're a woman, because you have, you're Latina. And then when I look at it through that lens, it becomes self-fulfillment. It has a purpose for me. I'm not fighting against someone else's expectations. I'm just driving against my own expectations. And that shift on mindset, at least for me, has been very helpful. You know, something that you were talking about really resonated with me is it made me think about this idea of the power of the only. So I serve on a board with a woman who is a trailblazer in business. She's an entrepreneur and she is a black female. And so a lot of times she has been the only person in the room that looks like her, right? She's no one else looks like her. And she said that there's power in the only, instead of that being something that maybe can be looked at as, well, why am, why am I the only one? I have to prove myself and these types of things. Instead, she looks at it as, well, I've earned my seat here despite all of these challenges, right? I'm here, I'm at the table. And then uses that power of the only to bring other people also to the table, right? To make sure that those other voices are heard. And I think that's a really great way to think about it. And as you were saying, the idea of you're an overachiever, that's what it's about. You earned your seat at the table because of all of your achievements. And then harnessing that and focusing on that, as you said, thinking about it from that perspective, I think is, is really powerful to change that narrative. 
Yes, and I think there is a there is a concept that I actually like and I use a lot is how do you want to play the situation? Do you want to be a victim or do you want to be a protagonist? And then it's like that concept of glass half full or half empty. If you embrace the situation as a protagonist, you're empowered, you're in charge, you're not expecting anyone to come and save you. You are it. When you approach the situation from a victim point of view, you're expecting someone to come and save you. You're expecting that superhero that will come and give you a hand and solve the situation. And then that's very disempowering because you're just passive. And it, it doesn't happen all the time. And sometimes you doubt and sometimes you want others to come and give you a hand. And that's okay. But what I'm saying is it, the difficult situations, if you, if you feel and if you are embracing the situation, Whereas a victim, then it's going to be very difficult that the outcome is what you want. If you really face the situation as a protagonist, you're giving yourself the power. And when you have the power, then you start thinking differently. You start acting differently. The outcomes that are coming of that specific situation will be closer to what you want. And if they don't, at least you're going to feel that you did everything in your power to make it happen, other than just sitting back and say, what could I have done more? Could I have done differently? Because that's what happens when you take the position of the victim. I love the idea of protagonist. I'm wondering if we can coin something here, protagonist leadership. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe an audience. That's a great concept. That's a great concept, actually. <laughs> I'll have to to look it up and see if it exists because I love that idea of, like you said, putting yourself in the seat of empowerment, being in charge, and not expecting someone to help you or save you, right? It's always, of course, nice to have support. It's nice to have help, but not putting yourself in a position to expect that or need that, I think it's really powerful. Well, one thing that I would love to get your thoughts on, because you mentioned Emma and what you've learned from her. What do you think your kids have learned from you? Oh, wow. That's a, that's a great question. I think that what they have learned from me and hope, first, that you have to commit to your values. I am very committed to our values. And we talk a lot about what are the values that are important in the family. So respect, trust discipline, commitment. And I think that we have lived, my husband and I, we have been raising our kids and leading by example to say they're non-negotiable. No matter what the situation, you cannot, you cannot trade off your values. You have to stick to them. So I would say probably that's the first one. The second one, I think, is the importance of being part of a community, the importance of the family. As a Latin family, of course, we, for us, family, it plays a big role. And, and we have instilled in them that uh, because we feel that that gives you a grounding for the rest of your life that is extremely rewarding and, and very helpful uh, when you face challenging times. And I would say number three, the love for soccer. They, they both play soccer. We all love soccer in, in the family. We enjoy it a lot. So, so I would say probably the, the love for soccer and the joy 
of getting together to watch a game on at Sheeran's fans. Um, it's definitely something that I can see in them. Well, I have a question related to that um, about the next generation, but I'll, I'll come back to that because I want to make sure uh, to be able to ask you a few, what we call our, our fun questions, some things that people might not know about you. What's a fact about you that surprises people? That I went to Math Olympics. Ah, nice. Was it called the Math Olympiad? By chance? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I went to that oh, too. okay. Yeah. When I well, was... not, but not in Colombia. Mine, mine was in Ohio. Okay. <laughs> I went to the National Math Olympic in Colombia, yes. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. What is your go to media escape? Instagram. Your personal Instagram? Are you like looking? Do you have like an incognito account? No, my personal Instagram. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> guilty pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And I know you've lived in multiple places around the world and have traveled around the world. What's one new place you want to go? Japan. I've never been. And I love uh, I love what I have seen in terms of the landscape. I love the culture. Uh, I really like the food. So definitely a place that I would love to visit. And if you ever want to go, I can share some notes with you. I had the chance to go uh, prior to COVID, and it's an absolutely beautiful country. Oh, that's great. <laughs> well, I said I wanted to get back uh, to one of our questions here to to wrap up. Somewhat related, you know, as we were talking to your experience with your kids and what they may have learned from you, what is one final piece of advice or perhaps a challenge you'd give to the next generation? A challenge I will give to the next generation and to this one, and one that I'm very committed to, is have a sense of purpose. I think there are many, many challenges our society is facing today. Thinking about the why, I think there is a large sense of self-reward and individuality that is stopping us from seeing the big picture and it's stopping us from really generate a, a positive impact in the world. So what I will say is that we need to be good citizens of the world. We need to commit to make our communities, to help them thrive. And we have the power to do it because if we do it for one people, for, for one person, for two or for three, that's enough change. So I would say that having that commitment, finding a purpose, uh, feeling that you belong to a broader ecosystem and that you are an active element of that ecosystem and that your positive choices can make a difference on that bigger ecosystem. It's something that I would like to encourage younger generations to do. And I want to encourage my generation and the older generations to do. If we have learned something about COVID, it's the only way we were able to get this under control was when everybody commit to it. We are so dependent on each other that if we embrace other challenges like racial equality, like climate change, and many others in the same way, realizing that we, we depend on each other and that we need to commit to that purpose of thriving together, I think we, we can definitely get through the challenges that we have ahead of us successfully. If we don't, then it will be very difficult for this society to try. 
I think that's such poignant advice. And if I may bring it back to the three C's that you brought up, I think that certainly curiosity, compassion, and courage can help us all be better citizens. Anna Maria, thank you so much for sharing part of your journey and learnings with us. It's been such a pleasure to have you on our Learnings with Leaders podcast today. Thank you very much for having me. It has been a pleasure. And I hope that everybody listening can take a little bit pieces of advice or ideas from this conversation. Thank you for listening. And that's our show. Like what you heard? Please subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcasting platform. For show notes about this episode, links to things mentioned, or requests for sponsorship, visit pgalums.com slash podcast or email pgalumpod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Learning from Leaders is a production of the PNG Alumni Network, a global nonprofit founded by former PNGers committed to community, enrichment, and philanthropy. With more than 45,000 registered members worldwide, the network connects alums through global conferences, local chapters, industry events, and online content. Our nonprofit foundation supports economic empowerment in communities around the world. To find out more, visit pgalums.com. That's it for this week. I've been Ida Abdelkani. And I'm still Raman Segel. Thanks for joining Learnings from Leaders, the PNG Alumni Podcast. We'll see you next time.